Hello, everyone. Today's episode is going to be about Atwood Hot Water Heaters. I want to welcome you to the show. This is Radio Eric Stark with Radio Arizona RV, your best RV podcast. Now, this is the podcast that's for everybody. If you own an RV, this podcast is for you. Whether you work on your RV yourself, this podcast is for you. Or if you decide to take your RV to a service center, this podcast is still for you. It's for the guy who wants to know what's going on, even if he's not going to do the repairs, how to see what's happening. So when you go to the service center, you're aware of what's going on, what should be done, what shouldn't be done. And don't forget to share this episode with your friends, fellow RVers. There's always benefits to it. And it's great when two or three people can talk about something like this because you, you don't pick up everything. You know, you share and you kind of gain more information about it. So you might miss a point that someone else will bring out to you, which can make your day easier, right? And just for the record, I have a brick and mortar retail store and a few different websites where I sell products on. Not everything I talk about on this podcast is available on my websites, but most everything I talk about is available in my brick and mortar store. Just about everything. There's a few things that just don't make it into the store for one reason or another. And it's not because they're bad products. It's just maybe shipping con- conditions, problems, you know, COVID-19. Chinese New Year, whatever it might be. So I want to thank you for listening. And now we're going to get into episode number 83, Atwood Hot Water Heaters and How to Diagnose Them. So Atwood Hot Water Heaters work very similar to suburban hot water heaters, which is what I talked about in episode number 82. So Atwood has had some changes over the years. So we're going to, you know, pre 2004, post-2004, they changed things up a little bit. And then, of course, Dometic today has their version of the hot water heater, which Dometic owns Atwood. They bought them years ago. And it looks like they might be phasing out the Atwood brand, possibly. I'm not 100% sure on that. Dometic is out of everything. I can't even get a Dometic water heater in my hands, you know, through my suppliers to even look at. And their website shows they're out of everything. Our suppliers are out of everything. So it's hard to really saying if I call the medic, it'll take three hours on the phone and I probably won't get the right answer. So I'm just going to wait and see what they actually have, what they physically have when I can get one. So I'll address that later on. So we're going to just focus on the Atwood hot water heaters. Like I said, they're very similar to Suburbans and they have some basic things that you'd want to check out first when the water heater's not working. You know, the ECOs have a, a reset button on them, similar to that of the Suburbans. So if it's not working, that might be the first thing to start is reset the ECO if it's 12 volts. And if it's 110, reset the 110 volt ECO. Now that would be post 2004 where it had two of them. Excuse me. I said post. I meant pre would have two sets of ECO and thermostats, one for the 110 volt side, one for the 12 volt side. After 2004, the 120 volt thermostat or thermostat and ECO are the same as the 12 volt ones. They're on the front of the water heater. So it's changed up a little bit, but not a huge change. So on the Atwoods, you you check that, reset the, the ECOs if you have to. Make sure the burner tube is clean. And this would be for LP side. You know, if it's not working on propane, you're going to make sure the burner tube is clean. There's an orifice that comes out of the gas valve. You'd want to make sure that that's clean. No obvious obstructions. And, you know, the hole in that orifice is just a pinhole. It's not huge. But nonetheless, it doesn't take much to make it not work properly. You know, there is an air mixture on the burner tube itself that 
might possibly need adjustment, but that would be with a water heater that works or is barely working. You want to do that. And there's some specific things for that, but we're not really going to get into that. That's one of the problems that you might face. But, you know, a clean burner tube, the chamber where the flame is, you want to make sure that's clean. The electrodes are clean, that they don't have a bunch of carbon buildup on them, that the tips aren't broken off and they have a one-eighth inch gap. That's important. They should look pretty nice. And, you know, electrodes can be an easy repair, but they're, they don't fail that often, um, at least not what I see. Probably circuit boards and uh, thermostats are the biggest failure, and they come the the thermostat comes with the ECO. They they're sold in sets, and they're easy to replace, super easy, especially the propane side. On the 2004 and older, you know, post or pre 2004, the ECO and thermostat for the 110 volt side are on the back of the water heater, so you have to access it from the back side, which usually you can. Most RVs were designed where you could access the back of it, and that's where the heating element would also be for the 110 volts. Okay, so now the, it's, it's a basic system. You have a switch on the inside of the RV. Newer ones have two switches, one for the electronic ignition and one for the 110 volts. And the electronic ignition is basically the propane side or LP side, whatever terminology you want to use, but that's electronic ignition lights it with a, with a spark. So we're not talking about pilot like model water heaters. This that might be a subject for another day, but there are so few of them out there anymore. But it's a different way to diagnose those. But we're going to stick in with the electronic stuff today. So you have a switch sends 12 volts to the water heater. That's the simplest term. So you want to make sure that switch has 12 volts. There's 12 volts going out of it to the water heater. So if it doesn't have 12 volts, it's a switch. You got a fuse problem. So there you go through the switch to the water heater and it goes into the thermal cutoff and the thermal cutoff is a, it's a little diode looking device. It's in a clear plastic um, cover. And when that goes bad, generally that cover turns black because it burns up. It obviously looks bad. And so you replace that. And quite often that's just all you have to do. They're designed as a fail safe. If the water heater doesn't shut down, that thing will just eventually get to a point where it gets so hot, it just burns up but they do fail on their own. So it's not always another problem that causes to fail. They do just fail. So you want to make sure you have power going through there or continuity if you're using an ohm meter. And then you also, at the thermostat and ECO, you want to make sure you have power going through them. Or if you want to check them without the 12 volts and just check for continuity, you can do that as well. So if a thermostat and ECO are working properly, when they're cold, they're going to have continuity. When they're hot, they're going to be open. Okay, so that is allowing the power to either go through or not go through. So it's important to check the water heater, too, when it's cold. That's going to be the easiest way to check all this stuff when it's cold. So there's, you know, you're not in that zone where the thermostat might be wanting to open or it should be open, but it's not. You just check when the water heater is cold. And so the power goes through the thermal cutoff, thermostat, ECO to the circuit board. Now, to the circuit board, there are ways of testing it. You know, if you have an ohmmeter, you can check, you know, the different tracks on the board, but it's easier to just take it to an RV service center that will probably check it for you for free. As I've said before, we do it for free. I would imagine most places do it for free. It only takes a minute or two. And if the board is bad, they sell you a new board. It's pretty straightforward, you know, and the boards do go bad. And you can't look at a board and, and, and determine whether it's bad, especially the Atwood ones. They're what is called a potted board. 
you know, so they're in a little plastic case and it's filled with resin. So you can't really even see the board unless it just really, really gets hot and that resin were to burn up, bubble up or something. But overall, they just might look old and dirty, but it doesn't mean they're bad. So that's kind of it on the, on the LP side or the, 12 volt side you know it's called both but it's 12 volts because it has the electronic ignition that fires off the propane and so you have you know just several components here you have a switch a thermal cutoff a thermostat and eco the thermostat and eco as i said were sold in a pair they're easy to replace they're on the front of the water heater the circuit board's on the front of the water heater and the thermal cutoff is in line with the thermostat so it's all right there. Everything's in front of you. Very easy to check these things. Atwood water heaters for the 12-volt side can be very easy. With the 120 volts on the back side, that's a little bit different. You have to go into the RV. But for the 120-volt side, it's essentially the same system, except you don't have a flame. You have a heating element. So you have a switch that sends 12 volts, excuse me, 120 volts, to the thermostat, to the ECO, to the heating element. And I might switch back and forth between 110 and 120 volts. It's the same thing. You know, it's all my notes say 110 volts, but it's quite often called 120 volts, just like 220. It's called 230, 240, you know, it's, it's same thing. So we're talking 110 volts, 120 volts. So you have the switch, the thermostat, ECO, and heating element. Straight up. That's it. So each one of those can be tested with either a voltmeter or an ohmmeter. The thermostat and ECO test the same way as you would the on the 110 volt as you do the 12 volt. If it's cold, there's going to be continuity. If it's hot, it's going to be open. And the heating element should have a resistance of maybe 10 ohms. When it's cold, if it's working properly, um, if there's no resistance, then it's an open and that thermostat would be bad. Or excuse me, the heating element. And the heating elements, you know, they just, they either have one thread that screws in the center. It's just a screw in, or they have the bolt on ones that has four bolts with a flange on it. And either one of those are, you know, readily available. They're nothing that's real hard to get. We stock all that stuff. I mean, all this Atwood things, all these parts, we stock them all. Same with Suburban. And most RV stores do. It's pretty straightforward stuff. And the, make sure that the, you always have water in the tank with, before you ever put the 110 volts on, it'll burn out that heating element pretty quick. I mean, really quick. I read somewhere, it's 10 seconds maybe. So speaking of reading somewhere, you know, the internet is filled with information. And I don't know how to describe all of it, piecing it together. You know, I, I, I look at some of this stuff before I do an episode or sometimes just out of curiosity someone will come in and say, I saw something on the internet and they explained to me, it just doesn't make sense. And so I try to find it, what they're talking about. And, you know, I'm not saying I'm a, you know, the end all expert here, but you have to be really careful and you can waste a lot of time going from YouTube video to YouTube video. You know, I saw one that said how to diagnose the 110 volt heating element. And you know, they show this video and the guy actually does a pretty decent video, but he, he just shows you how to check for power to it without actually checking the heating element itself, which is just going to the circuit breaker for the water heater. And you put a clamp type multimeter on there 
And then you turn on the water here and it should show amps going through there. And if it does, then that heating element is working. Well, that that's fine, but it didn't tell you what problems there could be. He just showed that. And that's like a six, seven minute video. So that's a waste of time in a lot of cases. So you're trying to solve problems and that's where understanding how these things work is how you solve the problems. And the same thing is true with the, the suburban water heaters, suburban furnaces, hydroflame furnaces. When you understand how the power is going through it, and you understand the system, like on a water heater, you have a 110-volt side and you have a 12-volt side on the majority of them. Well, they're two separate entities for the most part. So when you understand that, it makes a little more sense. And then when you're trying to diagnose it and you're explaining it maybe to a parts guy or a service guy, it's going to make sense to them and they can help you if you get stumped, if you come into one of these odd problems. So that's why I go through this and I call it diagnosing it. When really it's understanding how the system works. They're not that complicated. With a voltmeter and an ohmmeter, one or the other or, or both, you can really get a bigger understanding and, and truly diagnose it yourself and feel confident about your diagnosis. The only part you run into problems with is a circuit board because most of you don't have a circuit board tester. And as I said, doing the ohms test can be time consuming. Just be easier to take it to a store and have them test it, you know, on a, on a, the right piece of equipment. That's basically the two sides. And in most cases, you know, the, like on the 100, 110 volt side, the, the heating element goes bad, at least my experience. But the ECON thermostats do go bad from time to time and they're easy to replace, as I said. So you want to keep that in mind. The water heaters are probably the easiest thing to repair. Now, every now and then, you know, there's just one of these water heaters that, you know, the guy's trying to solve a problem and he has every part has been replaced. It's all new, you know, and he's just struggling with it. So that's when you might want to call a technician in or even call Atwood or Suburban. You know, I, I just recommend calling the manufacturer sometimes because they have so much expertise in problems with their products that they know them inside and out. And they're not going to charge you for it. It's not a big deal to them. That's what they're there for. You know, a lot of guys, I hate to say it, just don't want to share information to help you fix a problem. They want to, they want to do it instead of let you do it. I've heard of some dealerships that will not sell appliance parts to a consumer over the counter. You have to bring the RV into them and they have to diagnose it and install the part. They will not sell you appliance parts. And that logic, I don't get. If you want to fix it yourself, by all means, fix it yourself. I'm all for that, which obviously that's what this podcast is about. So don't be afraid of looking at your water heaters, whether it's a newer water heater, an older one, they're basically the same. And even with Atwood making some changes to theirs, you know, with the using the same ECO and thermostat on the newer ones for the 110 and 12 volt, it's not a problem. You still diagnose it the same way. Atwood hot water heaters, you know, the biggest challenge is just getting to the back side of it to test some of the stuff on there if you have to. But even then, most manufacturers of RVs have a cutout on the backside, and they make it pretty simple to do that. So this is something that you truly don't want to overthink. And, you know, you probably have to listen to the episode a couple times. And if you have a Suburban, you listen to that episode or listen to them both because they basically work the same way. They're very similar, just different names. The Atwood has the uh, thermal cutoff in it. 
where Suburban doesn't have that. So it's one little extra piece Atwood has. They look a little bit different, but they function the same way. I hate to say it, you have the luxury of having that product there on your RV. You know, so it's easy for you to test this. So when you get the water heater working, you don't just don't just get it working. You sit there with your um, voltmeter and go through each item, you know, the ECO, the thermostat, and check for voltage, and you'll see how it works, and you'll have a better idea. So when something fails, you go, aha, or unplug it, turn everything off, unplug it, and check your ECO and thermostat. You know, maybe it was obviously that um, the circuit board was bad. Maybe, you know, it was all melted, and there was an obvious problem there. So you replace that, or maybe it was obvious that thermal cutoff was bad, but you can still check the other parts just for your own benefit, for your education. You're not going to hurt them doing an ohm test on them. And then you have an idea of how they, how they work, a better idea. So then you got a clue. And then when your buddy's RV water heater quits working, you can help him as well, or he can help you ever how it works out. So you have that product there. And just like what I'm doing, you know, we're, we're setting up water heaters, furnaces, all the different appliances in our shop. We're buying brand new products. So when our customers come walking in, we're just going to walk them out into the shop and show them the product real life. Here's the water heater. Here's how everything flows. Here's what you need to do. If they're, you know, skeptical about being able to replace it, we're going to have one out of the box ready to show it to them. So they'll understand and hopefully we're going to have their model. Now furnaces, it won't be like that, but we're trying to, you know, basically copy what you already have in your RV. You know, if you take out your water heater or you're working on it, see how it truly works. If you do take out your furnace, see how everything works on it. So you have better understanding of it for yourself and it is invaluable information. It really is because it helps you fix that water heater, fix that furnace. You know, and that's part of the do-it-yourself thing. And I, I guess I'm going on about this because, you know, people are just kind of afraid to fix stuff themselves. They want to call somebody. And, you know, I don't call a whole lot of people myself. You know, I, I hate to say it. I just do everything myself. And when I do have to call someone, I have no problem doing it because I've saved, you know, $500 zillion over the years doing it myself. So I have to pay somebody here and there isn't a big deal, but I rarely, very rarely have to do that. And that's, what's nice about doing it yourself. So when you finally do run into a problem that's beyond you, you don't mind paying for it. It's not as painful, you know, even if it's an expensive repair, well, it's just, that's what it did. All the stuff you did yourself that just paid for that repair, right? It's, you know, 100 bucks an hour for labor or 150, 200, you know, whatever it is, you know, it's, it's money out of your pocket. So the Atwood hot water heaters, you know, very simple to diagnose. And as always, if you have problems with these things, a water heater, a furnace, you have a question about it, you can always call me. You can use the contact us page at radioarizonarv.com. I respond to every email. Sometimes it's not timely. It might be two or three days. They get buried. I get a lot of emails every day, a lot of text messages, a lot of phone calls, but I don't mind helping. I mean, that's what this is about. You know, we're RVers. We stick together and you're trying to do things yourself. And I truly appreciate that. I love it when people do things themselves. And that's not a, a slam against the, the RV store, the RV technician or anything. It's just reality. I like it. 
So we will conclude there. And I do want to remind you to check out the Mudflap app. The link to it is available on RadioArizonaRV.com. Now, by signing up for Mudflap, you save 10 to 50 cents per gallon on diesel fuel whenever you use the app. But if you sign up and use the promo code Radio Arizona RV, you'll save or actually get a $10 fuel credit right when you sign up. So that's worth 10 bucks right there. And then the savings and don't think of it in terms of having to use it for your RV. If you have a vehicle that use diesel fuel, you can use the app. So it doesn't have to be when you're just pulling your trailer or driving your motorhome. It can be anytime you put diesel in any of your vehicles. So take advantage of that. And you, so you can check out that link at RadioArizonaRV.com. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Today's episode was kind of short. The suburban episode was a little bit longer, but Atwoods are pretty simple to diagnose. I believe I covered everything. The 110 volts, the 12 volt or the 12 volts, the propane side. So I want to thank you for listening. And again, check out RadioArizonaRV.com and I will see you next time.